Hi, I'm Greg Ulan with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today, I get to talk with Kelly Stumpy, who is the CEO and founder of uh, The Car Mom. She's the host of The Carpool Podcast, I think jointly with her sister, Liz. Um, and she's also a nationally certified child passenger safety technician. Uh, I had to look down to make sure to get all those words right when I, when I spit it out. But uh, Kelly, thanks so much for, uh, for hopping on and talking today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. All right, good. So first, I guess, let's start with what you do, right? So so basically, um, to me, one of the things that, that you do that, that I'm so impressed with is you found a way to really like niche down in a market. So you, um, and I guess you would probably consider yourself an influencer. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Okay, good. So, you know, you you basically have an audience, a target audience that you speak to directly, and you do it really, really well. So um, can you maybe just start and elaborate a little bit for everybody on, on what you do, how it works, um, you know, and what your audience looks like, what your goals are, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so uh, my name is Kelly Stumpy, but I go by The Car Mom. That's kind of my business name, my Instagram handle, my website. And I started off just reviewing cars for moms and for families. I come from the auto business, so I was always super passionate about cars and car buying. And as my friends started to become moms and I became a mom myself, I was kind of lost at like what car all of us moms are supposed to be buying. Um, so I kind of just looked at the resources I had, which was use car lots and a couple of car seats. And I started just reviewing cars for moms and for families. And I've also kind of expanded my content to cover a lot of car buying and car empowerment for first time car buyers, for women, for anyone intimidated by the car buying process. I, um, I, I sold cars. I started selling cars in 2016. And I think the same grievances I found that women have with buying cars are the same grievances that I had as a woman selling cars. So I've kind of used that experience as a way to just help people. I kind of demystify the car buying process, empower them, but also empower the dealerships and kind of show what really happens at a dealership. I'm pro dealer. My whole livelihood comes from car dealerships and I know there's good dealers out there. So I've kind of made it my mission to connect educated buyers to progressive, helpful dealers and make everyone happy. No, that's great. That's great. So when, when you think about that, education of the car buyer, right? And people just don't know what they don't know. They don't know the features. They don't know what's right for them. They don't, there's a lot of, I guess, mystery almost behind buying a car still in today's world. You can go online and you can find anything you want, but if you're not comfortable there and you don't even know what questions to ask or what to look for, it's, it's intimidating. Um, yeah. So historically, um, there's been a lot of value that the salesperson in the store has delivered um, in educating the customer, right? And um, well, first let me ask, are you still selling cars? Like, are you still a salesperson? Yeah. No, okay. not anymore. I went, I went full time <laughs> with the car mom, April of 21. Okay. But I was up right. until then. Yeah. So that makes sense. There's actually, um, uh, it's been, I don't know, a couple months ago, I got to talk with a dealer up in uh, New Jersey, Paul Sansoni Jr. And he's got, um, you know, a couple stores, but he also does some other businesses. And one of the things that he, he works with is salespeople doing uh, tier four marketing is what he calls it, which is essentially the salesperson markets themselves. Um, and what you're doing to me is is similar in a way, like if you were still selling cars, you're creating your own brand, you're, you're connecting with customers, bringing them into you. Um, so I guess that's a long way to get around to, um, you know, when you think about that and you think about the dealership and the salesperson, um, what in today's world is their sweet spot for bringing value, do you think? Well, I think, so when it comes to social media and it, when it comes to how, how I see dealers and a lot of people in sales use social media is they use it to sell, which is not the most successful way to grow on social media. So before, when I started the Car Mom, I called it my passion project. I had no idea 
how I was going to turn anything into anything. I didn't know how I was going to monetize it. I didn't know if it would turn to car deals, but I just wanted to bring value. And I knew if I brought value, I would get more eyes on my content, which then I would figure out what to do with an audience once I had that engaged audience. So I always say like every piece of content you have to put out has to hit at least one of what I call the four E's. And the four E's are educate, empower, entertain, or engage. So you have like bonus points if your content can hit more than one, not to brag, but like sometimes mine hits all four. And what I mean by that is like, if you can find an entertaining way to empower someone through a piece of content, that's winning. So like if I can make a funny video about, not even funny, just like a well-done video about the benefits of leasing while I'm entertaining and then I'm also empowering. On the flip side, I see a lot of salespeople, a lot of dealerships do things like happy birthday to our finance manager. And they like think they're on social media and like, it's great. And like, look at this, like we're talking about our finance manager. And I'm not saying we shouldn't wish get happy birthday, but I'm saying like, that doesn't count as your piece of content that you brought your audience for the day. Saying, check out this lease special. Okay, that does not hit one of the four E's. Like, first of all, you know that lease special is BS to the consumer. And second of all, what does that do for them? So instead it'd be like, hey, did you know we have great lease specials? Here are some of the benefits of leasing. Comment below if you have any questions of if leasing is right for you. So now you've engaged them, you've educated them, you've empowered them. And that's the kind of content that you need to focus on bringing. And then additionally, it's all about the longevity. I mean, what's so fun about cars is everyone has one. And if we want to like live in this world where we're continuing to keep our consumer or our customer around so they come back to us, you have to bring content through all stages of their ownership. And we were very mindful of that when I started the car mom, me and my sister, because I didn't want people to buy a car and leave. So we've incorporated a lot of content on, uh, you know, like winter safety, teen driving tips, car cleaning kit. Car, car cleaning tips, car maintenance, and just making sure like we're hitting all cycles of ownership. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fantastic, and I think that that is a really important aspect uh, for certainly for what you do and for what dealers do, and, and anybody else who's trying to engage with consumers is, um, you know, you have a transaction right once every five years, maybe, or if you lease, maybe yeah. it's once every two years, um, and then you have a transaction maybe once a year when you go in for service, and that's about it, right? And then the rest of your interaction really needs to double down on the car ownership experience versus the car buying or car servicing experience. And that's not easy to do. You have to, and, and it sounds like what you do and, and what I've noticed just kind of doing a little research and, and following some of your um, your accounts and things like that is um, you, you understand because you're going through it um, what people want to know, right? Like how do right. I how do I make sure, what am I even supposed to do to winterize my car, right? What, what are the things I should check? What do I, what should I have in the car? Where do I get a snow brush? You know, things like that. How do I even use the thing if I haven't yet? And there, there's just these little pieces to the puzzle um, that, that are, are hard to nail down. And I think for dealers, like also think about the return on your investment. Like if you have a super engaged audience and you sold them a car and then you're going to teach them how to use the technology in their car, like doing a daily tip, like, Hey, here's how you actually use the heads up display. Here's how you use auto hold. And then you're also going to teach them how to take care of their car, how to maintain their car, how to clean their car, how to prep their car for a trade-in. Okay. Sounds like you're getting a pretty nice trade-in at the end of this. So like, I don't know why as dealers were dealers have been so scared to Tell someone how to prep their trade. Like, no, go get a detail. That's okay to share that. Like, let's share that tip. Don't we want to have these nice cars on our lot? And we want our customers to feel like they know what actually happens at the end of a lease. Like, yes, you do a do an inspection. Here's what you need to know. I'm going to tell you. So I think like just really focusing on 
all stages of car ownership is important and just making sure you're hitting the ease when you do your content. No, I love it. That's good. And I like your, your ease as well. So, um, say those for me again, go a little slower so I can write them down, but, okay. uh, you got, what do you got? Your four E's. So educate, Yep. empower, entertain, engage. Okay. So you could see how like, come on in for this one ninety nine, you know, lease special. Okay. What does that do? Happy right. birthday. And again, I'm not even saying you can't do those posts, but you need to be posting th three to seven times a week. That doesn't count as one of your three to seven posts. Not even sure. close. No, it's good. It's good advice. It really is. And it's a good just checklist. Like, you know, it's, it's easy. Yeah. It's, it's memorable. It's easy. So um, good stuff. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the, I don't even want to call it a niche because it's such a broad segment of the population, but moms, right? And, and specifically, it seems like newer moms with younger kids. Um, I have, you know, my wife and I have two kids. They're a little bit older now, six and eight. So we're out of car seats and stuff like that. But um, it, you still have this, this market of individuals who in a lot of ways are a great target market for dealers, right? They're, they're probably looking for a, a newer, bigger vehicles that, you know, safety is a concern, size is a concern, capability is a concern. Um, so how do you hone in on a niche? Maybe talk about, you know, your experience. And I think you, you had said, well, you were, you were pregnant with your second kid. And it was kind of one of those things where uh, I, I don't know what to do. If I don't know what to do, other people certainly don't. But um, can, can that expand to other niches too, where you can, you can double down or somebody could double down and focus on a, on a segment of group uh, people? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I think one of the best ways to discover your niches is just to think about like what your friends and families come to you for. So whether it's automotive related or not, but like, I mean, I was in the auto space and my friends were moms. So it was like, Hey Kelly, I'm about to buy my first mom car. I'm going to upgrade for my Toyota Camry that I had since high school. What should I get? So like, that's like who I started off being like you, like you going from like that first time mom, what do you do? How do you forecast your family's growth? And it's, I think when you're a first time mom, it's so stressful because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know that ceiling vents are better for ventilation. You don't know that lower rank, you don't know what a lower anchor or a tether anchor is. You don't know about third row access, how big a double stroller is. So there's like, there was so much value I could bring to that group of, of people. Um, so I think, think about like what your friends and families come to you for, but then also, I mean, I always say this, like, especially on the dealer side, I think there's so, I mean, we always hear from customers that they don't know how to use the technology in their car. And like, I would just love to live in a world where it's like, you sell a car to a customer and you're like, Hey, make sure you go on my Instagram page because I share how to use all the technology that's in this car. I'm on there every day. I'm showing you what's new. I'm showing you how to upgrade things, how to take care of your Nissan turn your brand, like the whatever manufacturer you sell for into your niche. Um, and just, or just whatever, whatever your friends and family come to you for. It doesn't always have to be like a, it doesn't have to be, first of all, there can be more than one. Like that's, that's totally fine. You don't have to like be the only person if there's someone else doing it. Okay, great. You can also do it. There's room for everybody. Um, and then I think like it's sticking to your niche, but then also not being scared to try to make your niche a little bit bigger. So I mean, I've tried to especially as like, I look at myself and my business and my motherhood journey. Like I started off as having, being pregnant with my second, well, now I'm pregnant with my third. So it's kind of like changing how, how I can make sure I'm hitting multiple, multiple different stages of motherhood. I've also really gotten into bringing a lot of teen driver content lately. Cause I have a ton of older moms who follow me. So making sure like, what's a good teen car, how do we teach our teen to drive? What technology should we be looking for? 
Um, and then on the car buying side, I have a lot of first-time car buyers who come to my account account just to like figure out how to actually buy their first vehicle. Um, and just like the every the everyday car driver. I mean, there's so many reviewers out there who love to talk about things that no one doesn't. I mean, if I see one more off-roading video, I'm going to lose it. Like no one's taking these cars <laughs> off. Like they're just, I mean, what? Like, so why are we, there's all these off-roading accounts and like, there's no one showing how the cup holders are. And like, that's what the people need to know. So I think just not being scared <laughs> to just show the basic things. I think when you're in auto and when you're in all these cars, you kind of get numb to it. But a lot of these people who are looking for reviewers on social media, they've driven the same car for years and years and years and years and years. And like maybe sat in like two of their friends' cars. So like just show everything. No, that's that's all right. That's good. Um, and as much technology that's been put into vehicles in the last really just five years. Um, you know, if you haven't bought a car in the last couple of years, there's so much out there that right. you really don't know. You don't know how to turn it on. You don't know how to turn it off. Something as simple as automatic wipers. Right. Like, wait, how do these work? And what do I how do I turn them on? How do I keep them on or your, your high beams or, you know, like stuff like that? That's automatic now. 100%. And I mean, you know, if you think like the average car on the road is over 12 years old. OK, there's a ton of people who don't have any of this technology. I remember I did a video on lumbar support. I thought it was going to be a stinker. One of my most best performing videos because <laughs> no one knew what lumbar support was. So, so it's just like I wouldn't even thought that. And you can't you obviously can't come at it from like a condescending perspective or like, a, oh, you don't know what that is. Like, no, they don't. So. Hype it up, make it cool, and educate them on what lumbar support is. Yeah, and frame it around. I think one thing that that you do well um, that I that I like that I've noticed is you identify problems that people have, and then you show if a car can fix them or not fix them. Right? Like yeah. one one review that you did that I, I watched recently. Um, it was the new Rivian SUV, and you popped the frunk, and you're like, nope. This car seat or this uh, uh, stroller isn't going to fit in here. It's just not big enough. And I mean, that that's a problem that people have. My, I, I got a stroller. I'm going to take it everywhere I go. Can I fit it in the car or not? Um, yeah. So framing things up around a problem is, is something you do well. I don't know if you think about that, at, like in the forefront of your mind, but you certainly execute on it pretty well. Thank you. Well, I would like to think about like how things are are advertised, especially when it comes to my content. I think to the manufacturers fault sometimes they like to say that things can do things that they necessarily can't like I don't I can't tell you how many eight pass eight I can't tell you how many vehicles out there have eight seat belts that can't fit eight people so it's <laughs> certainly like, certainly not eight adults cer certainly not eight of anything I have yeah. this, I just recently did this one video I won't say the car but the third row middle seat is seven inches wide the average car seats 10 so like okay and any child who only has a seven inch bottom needs to be in a car seat. So it's right. like, so what's that about? Yeah, it's more of an armrest than a than a seat, yeah. right? It's <laughs> exactly. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So um, thinking about that, right? So manufacturers, to your point, you know, their job is to, to sell cars and to promote them and to get people interested. And then, you know, the expectation is the person comes in, takes a look at the car and uh, makes a decision on it. Um, but in that process, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, growing up in the business with what you do now and your family still, I think, has has dealerships in, San, in the St. Louis area. Um, where do you see the dealership itself? Where, where are the biggest opportunities for the dealer to add value in the car buying process? So it used to be, 
Um, a ton of value was there in coming in and touching the car and test driving the car and learning about the vehicle from the salesperson. Um, you know, way back when it was even getting the brochure that you could, you know, physically look at and look at the different packages. Um, and a lot of that's changed, right? A lot of that's become digital. A lot of that's available online um, through a bunch of different mediums. So in today's world, where do you see the biggest opportunities for uh, dealers to add value to that car buying process? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I still don't think, yes, so much of the car buying research has happened online, at least for my audience, like they are still coming in there to look at the vehicles. So I think really spending some time on making the test drive and the walk around and that dealer experience fun and positive, that makes it worth doing. I mean, we can still get takeout, but people like to go to a restaurant because it's a fun experience. So I think it's how do we sell that in-person experience? How do we make it easy? And ultimately, I mean, buying a car is supposed to be fun. Like, yeah. I mean, if you think about going out to buy anything else, like it should be fun. It should be exciting. So I, it sucks that some dealerships have taken the process and turned it upside down and made it a process that people, an experience people dread when it's like, no one feels that way about going to buy a new bag or a new purse or like on a shopping spree, they're spending a ton or even house shopping. They're spending a ton of money. Let's make the experience more fun. Um, so I think that's, what we need, what we need to be selling. And I think there's still so much room for that. You have to come look at the car. You have to drive the car. You have to make sure your car seats can be installed. So spending some time on the experience, I think. That's good. No, that's good. Uh, good feedback. And, and I think in addition to that, um, you know, there's, there's, always opportunity to um, bring value on both sides of the equation, right? So whether you're talking about the consumer, which, you know, what you just said is spot on, or talking about the manufacturer, if you're a franchise dealer, talking about the manufacturer and bringing value there, um, and, and being that connection to the community, being that personal connection, because, you know, you think about, and a lot of what you do, even, I think about it in a way where it's like, you can't connect with a business effectively, Right. I can't connect with um, an entity. What I can connect with is a person. And that's where I can go into a store and I can interact with a salesperson or a GM or a dealer or whoever. And I have that personal connection. I can't I can't do that very well with a company. No, no. And it's funny, like my dad. So my family owns five car dealerships in St. Louis. And my dad yep. always says he's like, the manufacturers don't know how to sell cars. He's like, we we know how to sell cars. We know how to take care of people. I want to start and end this car buying experience. I want you to be excited. I want to come in and like get razzle dazzled and I want to be sold on the vehicle. You do. And that's the thing that's so easy to forget when you're like in the seat is people want to buy it. They they want to, they, they want to be sold. Like do it, sell yeah. them, have fun. And I think that's your point too, is just keeping that mentality of it's not combative. It's not trying to get the most out of it. And, and you, you want to get the most out of the deal for sure. But help that person buy. And that that's what that's what does make that experience fun. Um, all right. So one thing I, I just remember this, I was thinking about uh, talking about it at the beginning, but uh, kind of slipped my mind as we got into conversation. So I've, I've read in multiple different places that one of your majors in college was equestrian studies. So is there is there a story behind that? Like, did you ride horses growing up? Were you yeah. how did you get into that? Yeah, I just like I've been I started riding horses when I was nine. I yeah. did it for forever. And my parents always like encouraged me to follow my passion. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this equestrian college. And I majored in horses and I literally haven't ridden a horse in four years. So <laughs> I'm still like technically working with horse power, you could say. Like, but oh, no, 
I mean, it was really fun. Hopefully I'll get back into it one day, but it's just <laughs> like, I kind of fell into the car business when I, gra- cause you know, when you graduate with a degree with equestrian science, um, you start to realize, wow, maybe that was a mistake because it's a little hard to find a job. So my dad was like, well, you're going to sell cars then, which I was n- so nervous about because I had seen my then boyfriend, now husband try to sell cars, failed miserably, didn't last three months in the business. And he's an outgoing guy. So I was like, oh my gosh, like if Tyler couldn't do it, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> but my dad's like, well, do you have a job? I'm like, no, I majored in equestrian science. And so we figured it out. No, that's great. That's great. It's, uh, it, it is it is funny when you look back, right? And you try to try to go, man, how did how did this path get to here? Because it's, it's never a straight line ever. It's, no. it's, but it's it's fun as long as you make it a good time and you you put your best foot forward and, and make the most of yeah. it. You know, it's it leaves a story at the end for sure. Yep. <laughs> um, so something else I, w- I wanted to touch on, you organized and put on um, a car show of sorts. Uh, what was that September? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so tell me about that, because events are, they can go a lot of different ways. And um, a lot of different people have a different lens for what an event looks like. So tell me about this car show, like how many vehicles, how many people, what was the focus? I mean, presumably it was for first time buyers or, or you know, first time moms that are looking to, to get a new vehicle. But how is it different from maybe some other events that you might see? Yeah, so we put on our first ever Car Mom Auto Show in September. And the inspiration behind it was I wanted to have one place with all the mom cars for women to easily compare and contrast the different vehicles. I mean, I it is so difficult. A, mo- a mother's time, a parent's time is so valuable that I realized that a huge issue with being a parent and car shopping is how long it would take you to go look at every single car. Additionally, like with the inventory shortages that we've had over the past two years, it was so hard to get your hands on the car, let alone get your hands on multiple cars to like, just see if your car seats would fit. And that's where I'm talking about. Like, I think that you have, at least my audience, like you have to go in and see the car still because you cannot, I cannot show every car seat combination and every stroller and every single trunk. Like they have to go see it still. So we have the idea to just... We moved all the Kias off the lot. We brought in 40 SUVs, minivans, and we had vendors. We had car seats installed in the vehicles. We had strollers in the trunk so you could see the spacing. Um, and it was a lot of fun. We It was our first year doing it. So with the venue, we could only sell 800 tickets. So we sold out in the first like 48 hours. Wow. And we're hoping to take it on the road kind of. I'd like to like find like other dealer groups who want to maybe host it. And that's kind of our goal. It was really like from the dealer side, it was pretty easy. Like I reached out to a couple of dealers in the area. I reached out to a few of the manufacturer contact contacts I had. And we also weren't scared to have used vehicles because if it's the current body style, like the car seat's going to fit or it's not going to fit. So we had some used cars, we had some new cars and women could just come in and look at the cars without salespeople. And it was really, really fun. And I'm looking forward to doing another one. So you'll, you will do it again. Yes. I'm having a baby, so I don't know if I'll be able to take it on the road this next time. But the goal is to definitely take it to a bunch of different cities. But it was it was fun. We had people coming from all over the country. I had someone come from Washington State all the way to St. Louis just for it. Wow. Um, which was which was really awesome. Wow. No, that, that's fantastic. It's a lot of work though. Like it's not it's not like these things just happen. There's a lot of planning no, that goes a, into it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work. And luckily we had some really great sponsor step up. So we had Continental Tire spot like be our gold sponsor for the event, which was amazing to like also have a big automotive name 
sponsor an auto show for moms. Like it just really validated what we were doing and that people in the auto industry do care about our little niche. So yeah, it was a lot of work. I had some, I had a great, I had a great team planning the event, helping me plan it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be bigger and better. I mean, it was awesome. No, that's great. That is, that's fun to hear. It's a good time of year to do it too, right? Like fall in St. Louis, usually it's pretty, pretty nice weather. Um, you, you know, maybe, maybe oh, yeah. rain, but uh, not too hot. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's a, that's a good time of year too. That's perfect. Yep. Good. Um, talk to me a little bit too about, uh, I'm, I'm curious how your relationship with your sister is and if it's any different after kind of going into, uh, an adventure, like a podcast with her, um, that's a lot of time, you know, to spend with somebody and there, it creates its own struggles and challenges. But, um, I guess talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind, I'm just, I'm really curious on that. Front. Yeah, no, me and my sister Elizabeth were 17 months apart. We've actually like, and kind of like how it's just funny how like, we went our separate ways. And then we looked at each other one day and we're like, oh my gosh, like you could help me with this. So a little bit about her background is she was a television arts major. She had a ton of internships in video editing. She interned for the bold and the beautiful out in LA. Like she was going to be this like major video editor girl. Um, when she graduated, she decided she wanted to live in Missouri. So she got into digital marketing for dealerships and she did that for about two years. And then she got laid off during the pandemic. I started during the pandemic And when I like, didn't know what platform I was going to be on or how I was going to do it. I started looking at like my skill set, which was car sales and her skill set, which was video editing and website development. And I was like, wait, what? Like this couldn't work out any better. (laughs) So we get along great. We honestly, like we have a very unique relationship. We, I'm, I'm the oldest of five and then it's her. And then we have three younger siblings. We hardly ever fight. I actually like that. She does not have an automotive, a, retail automotive background because I think it really helps like if she can understand the content I know my audience can understand the content because kind of the same thing like I think some things like some of the car terms like just come so naturally to me because I did it for so long but she's like I don't know what that means so I'm like okay let's dive into that because she doesn't know what gap insurance is so if she doesn't know what it is there's a ton of other people who don't either no that's that's fantastic would you say that you've gotten closer by working together yeah, we're like, yeah, we're very close. <laughs> <laughs> we cry. Yeah. Yes, we're very close. I spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time in each other's houses and our poor husbands are just kind of um, kind of used to it. <laughs> well, do they do they at least like each other get along a little bit, too? Yeah, I would say so. And okay. they, they're very supportive. And, you know, we're, we're helping pay a lot of the bills, so they don't they don't mind. <laughs> they don't mind us getting to work. Well, good. No, that's that's fun. It's great uh, that, that you get to work with somebody that yeah. you grew up with and you're so close to and you understand really well. Um, I'm assuming, you know, like like anybody that you're you're really close with, there's always some friction points, but at least you respect each other well enough and like each other well enough that you can get over anything. So yeah, and I think when you do work with family, like it's like, I mean, our parents would never not let us get along. So like we have to just well, we just we just have to figure it out. I'm not going to go to dad and say <laughs> that me and Liz aren't getting along. He'll just. So, yeah, it's. It's been, it's been so much fun to be able to do this with her, to travel together, to just go to some of these. I mean, some of these auto events are super intimidating. So to be able to like have your sister there is such a blessing. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, um, you mentioned you're uh, uh, about to have your third child, which um, I don't know. A lot of times, like for me, my, my wife and I had this big, long discussion when we first got or before we got married. Right. It's like, okay, how many kids and this and that. And and uh, to me, once um, you get over two, it gets a lot harder. So third, third kid, um, excited about that. You said you grew up in a family of five or, you know, with, with five kids. So for you, I mean, that's probably normal. 
Yeah. Uh, t- the two to three jumps, a big jump. Yeah. My kids were only 17 apart. I was thinking, but I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I think this is probably our last one, but I don't think I'll have five. Five yeah. was a lot, <laughs> but I'm excited. Well, for three, but It definitely does. Compl- it complicates things, especially when it comes to the car. Like every car can fit two car seats. I'm going to have three kids and I do um, extended rear facing. So my three-year-old's still rear facing. So I'm going to have three rear facing car seats. Things are going to get tricky. I can't just, yeah. they're going to get tricky. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, if I, if I remember right, looking on Instagram, you're, you're having a baby boy, right? Correct. Okay. Congrats. That'll be, that'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, <laughs> Exciting really stuff. Um, no, that's great. So, all right. So on that topic too, how much <laughs> you, you have a lot of followers on a lot of different social channels and social platforms. Um, do you have a line between like what you want to share from your personal life and what you don't. Um, Cause that it, there's positive, there's negative, but there's also just, I don't know, stuff about you and your family that you may or may not want out there publicly. Like, do you have a, a, a line that you draw or is everything just kind of a judgment and it's, you know, you no, sort of know it. when you know. It's a good question. Um, and it's a decision that my husband and I didn't take lightly when we decided to start sharing my family on social media a little bit more, but we have some strict, boundaries like when we have the phones on when we don't like I'll never film my children when they're upset or when they're crying or they're having a big feeling like I would never film that I don't really talk about my kids like development or like anything I'm very protective over like my parenting style but I do like to share my family and share it when it comes to especially cars car safety and car buying and you know me and my husband have had the discussion where if where if, if, any, where if anyone were ever, ever asked me or question my decision, or if my kids were to ever grow up and question my decision, I would tell them that it has such a bigger meaning than just posting on social media. I mean, I've received DMs of women who have lost their husband to cancer, who have lost their father to COVID, who never thought they could navigate the car buying process without a man. And if, if the way I can connect to them and get my audience out there is by showing my kids every once in a while, showing my motherhood journey a bit, to help women like that navigate an intimidating process, I can look at my kids square in the face and say, well, as a family, we decided to help hundreds of thousands of women. So that's how I feel about it. I have peace with it. And no, that's a great perspective. I, that, that, so that's my answer. Yeah, no, I, I like it. It's, it's a great perspective. And uh, it's just, it's a delicate one, right? And, and it's yeah. kind of a personal decision and a family decision. And, um, but, but no, it's great. You have a good grasp on it. I was just really curious about, you know, how you, how you view it. No, it's uh, especially with as big of an audience as you have. So that's a good question. Um, all right. So Kelly, if um, uh, dealers, because you work with some dealers too, right? Yes. Okay. How do those relationships work? Like if, if, a, if a dealership wanted to work with you in, in some way, shape or form to help get their name out there a little bit or, or promote maybe some unique inventory they have or, or something like that. Um, what does that look like for you? And I, I don't really know how that how that works. So I am kind of genuinely curious on my own too. Yeah, so we have a program called Karma Preferred Dealerships, and it was basically with the thought of, you know, when I when I went full time with the Karma, I was getting so many people wanting to come buy a car from from me or yeah. from my family or to ship a car or to help navigate the process. And I knew I couldn't serve my community correctly. And such a big such a big pillar of my content and my mission is to connect good family owned dealerships with good ready to buy customers. Like I just want that car buying process to be more seamless. The benefits of the dealer is you get a website listing, you get an Instagram shout out. I provide content to the dealerships. I also provide survey results. I survey my following a lot. And then I provide those survey results about the car buying experience to my dealers. 
Um, and then my cons on my following side, the benefit is we have strict guidelines. You have to have a diverse sales staff. So you have to have at least one female on your sales staff. You have to have above a certain threshold on a Google or dealer rater review. And you have to pass a personal interview with me or my sister about your sales process, explaining why you want to be Carmon preferred, how your sales process works, how you're different. And if all those things pass up, then we decide to partner. So we have about 25 dealerships right now across the country, which is awesome hoping to get more. And really it's just, just trying to connect people. Like it's not really like a money thing or a profitable thing for me. I just really want to serve my community as best as I can. And I want to empower both the consumer and the dealership. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And uh, there are so many vehicles out there and so many choices out there. Um, you almost, it's, it's almost a requirement to have a network to be able to connect people to the right dealer that has the inventory that, that they want, right? You don't want people to have to yeah. settle necessarily. And we think like what we offer the dealership is like a really good buyer. Like these buyers, they've watched my reviews. They know, so like they know, I mean, it's, they're easy deals. Like they know what they want. They know what they want to pay. They know what their trades were. I'm not saying like it's the deal you're going to make hundred, like tens of thousands of dollars on, but that's not the point, but they're going to be a good loyal customer. And that's kind of where, that's kind of what I want the car buying experience to be. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Last thing I want to know, you've, you've reviewed, I don't know, certainly hundreds, if not thousands of vehicles at this point, like pretty much every vehicle that's been out in the last, you know, two years, you've got a review on, um, yeah coolest favorite features like must have features for you in a vehicle okay so auto hold is such an underrated feature but basically you can turn it on in your vehicle and then whenever okay. you come to a complete stop you can take your foot off the brake and the car stays stopped until you put your foot on the gas so like as someone who spends a ton of time in like a pickup line or like a drive-through to be able to like put your take your foot off the brake like put a binky in a kid's mouth is awesome so i love that feature <laughs> Um, I love ceiling. Okay, hang, hang on. So, so yes. does the expedition have that? Yes. Okay. How do you turn it on? You have to go into your, you'll have to go into your settings. So some of them, it's like a button, like next to your shifter, it'll say auto hold the expedition. Yeah. You have to go into your settings and do it. Okay. All right. Sorry to interrupt. Keep like, going. It's awesome. <laughs> um, I love ceiling vents. Like that's, I think a huge underrated feature, especially for um, families with kids in car seats, especially rear facing car seats. What do that, what do vents on the back of the center council do for my rear facing kids? Nothing. Like they need the ventilation above them. Yep. Can't live without a power tailgate. Love keyless entry. I love heads up display. Expedition doesn't have it, which is a bummer. <laughs> um, and then I'm really, I'm really into all of the crash prevention tech and I'm super excited about where some of this autonomous driving is going. I recently spent some time with the Chevy super cruise yeah. and it was like the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. So very cool. Those are some of my tops. I like it. I like it. Um, you know, I've been been spoiled recently. I mean, I, I can't imagine, especially coming up on winter here in Ohio, not having a heated steering wheel. Um, oh, as as so pampered good. as that sounds, like it's oh, that's it's a nice nice little feature. Such a good feature. We could just wear <laughs> gloves, but like no, I like, well, I'd rather just have it heated. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, it's been been great talking to you and getting to know you. What what haven't we talked about that you want to anything else you want to you want to dive into at all or anything you want to touch on that we haven't had a chance to? Oh, I don't think so. Um, I mean, definitely, if anyone wants to go check out our podcast, our podcast is called The Carpool. It is a super fun automotive ish podcast where we basically just talk about we take like a pop culture spin, I think, on some of the hottest stories in automotive. Like automotive is such, is so interesting to people and it's such a 
easy topic to cover because it's like not very controversial. So we've been able to just talk about like the craziest things happening in auto and just have a lot of fun with it. Um, so I would say like, check out my podcast, the carpool, follow me on Instagram, subscribe to my YouTube. And if any, like tag me in your content, like if any dealer or salesperson wants to make, start making content and tag me in it, I love to reshare things that is valuable, like about to go on maternity leave. So like if someone else could create some good content that I could just reshare, that'd be helpful. <laughs> there's, there's a challenge. No, there you go. That's great. And we'll, uh, we'll link to all your, um, uh, all your, yeah, all your stuff in our show notes and, and all the channels that we're on too. So we'll make sure to, to get you links there. Um, all right. Well, Kelly, it really has been uh, great to talk with you. Great to get to know you a little bit. Um, appreciate you taking time. Uh, best of luck as you, as you go into baby number three here and you said about six weeks. Um, so, so good luck. And, um, I'm sure we'll hopefully have the chance to, uh, to touch base after you've had that baby and see how things are going and uh, make sure that expeditions fit in those three car seats wide. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Well, that was a really fun and different conversation with Kelly Stumpy. Uh, appreciate her hopping on. And like I said, uh, when we were chatting, we'll make sure to link to how to connect with her in the notes. So if you're interested, make sure to, to click and, and get with Kelly. Uh, before we hop off, don't forget, you can watch or listen to all episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, or Spotify podcasts. And make sure to hit subscribe so you're notified every other Wednesday when new episodes are released. Thanks so much and have a great day. Oh,